broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited for Before this Before I even had a chance to say, joined in studio as always. Krista Executive Baruti producer here. extraordinaire, Krista Baruti. CW, did you book these people for me today? Because you know I'm going to love this show. I know. I got fired up. Who do we have in the studio? Well, we've got a repeat customer, as it were, one of our former guests that came back today to talk about uh, Sound River Advisors, kind of timely visit by Bo Wilkins uh, from the company. Um, they're an organization that has a range of services that they provide to the business community, particularly the privately held companies around the Atlanta community that are looking for good, solid tax strategies, as well as ways that they can keep key executives as part of their company through creative uh, and uh, innovative compensation and benefits packages. So, Bo Wilkins, thanks for taking some time. Thank you. Looking forward to talking to you some more. And introduce us to uh, to, to Dave Sutton here. He, you, you introduced us to him, so uh, share what you know. Dave is a <clears throat> excuse me an old friend, and we met on the soccer field with our our daughters. <laughs> not, and not playing. Yeah, not playing. Our daughters were playing, <laughs> so he and I would chat on the sidelines. He tackled me. I laid there acting like I was injured. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, it was back in our professional career. That's right. Um, and I came to learn uh, of his company, Toprite, that uh, is marketing branding, and I come to find out that it's not just some small company. It's a very important company and he's had a ton of growth and uh i told him one day when i'm when i can afford him i'm going to use him uh -huh. um and uh but just a, a great guy great family man and a great friend and and so i thought you know this is a great forum for him to tell his story well and i had the opportunity to sit and talk to you dave before we went on the air and you described a little bit about the the cool project that you're working on um with your colleague here and i'll let you introduce him real quickly but uh, there's a really neat thing that you're able to do where you're leveraging the work you've been doing through top right partners where you're working with brands helping them develop their awareness in the community and expanding uh, you know someone's uh image of a brand, you've been able to take that experience and expertise, and now you're leveraging it for artists in the music industry that are looking to try to expand on their particular uh, career path. So it's a really neat platform that you're developing. I look forward to getting in and starting to talk about that. But introduce us to the guest you brought along with you, too. Yeah, well, first, let me thank uh, Bo for inviting me. appreciate that. And um, also, Unfortunately, we're not going to talk about TopRite at all today. <laughs> yeah, we're just dropping names on that. But you know, TopRite gets to we'll, we'll tag them. They're, they're, the they're part of it. Yeah, I'll take the endorsement. You know, look into TopRite because uh, yeah. they're worth a look. But uh, in true TopRite fashion, we're not going to talk about ourselves. We're going to talk about our clients. That's cool. Which is which is great. Um, so we're going to talk today about Emerging Artist Network, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm actually one of the investors and one of the the um, founders of the company, along with Peter Stroud, who is with us today in the uh, in the studio. Um, Peter's, uh, uh, I guess, best known even though he's played with a lot of different people. Yeah, we were looking through uh, the he's list. He's actually out on tour right now with uh, Sheryl Crow. He's the lead guitarist for Sheryl Crow's band. But Some of you may have heard. Yeah, yeah. you might have, might have heard of you know, a <laughs> little, little, little you know, artist. Got to see him play live at the Fox. We, we refer to her as the emerged artist. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's, right. she's uh, out there. Um, but uh, but Peter can tell, tell you, obviously, a little bit more about his experience. But he's played with all kinds of crazy people all over the world. Uh, but quite an accomplished uh, musician, and uh, we're just so lucky to have him as part of uh, Emerging Artist Network because it's it's really a cool business. So. Yeah, well, uh, we'll we'll jump back in here and we'll talk about uh, the Emerging Artist Network here in a moment. I'll I'll, I'll have Bo take a minute and share with us just exactly what they do at Sound River Advisors, given the fact that we're coming up on that time, all of the 1099s and W-2s and all that stuff is going out now, and everybody's scrambling to start working on their tax preparations and so forth. So obviously a timely topic since you've got experts uh, at Sound River that can help folks with that. But Take us through, in case they didn't get a chance to hear us the first time around, share with us a little bit of what, what you're doing at Sound River Advisors and uh, how they might interface with you and what benefit they can bring. Okay, thanks, CW. We uh, just started our third year of our business, and what we do, we're an investment and life insurance advisory firm that primarily, as you said, deals with entrepreneurs and privately held companies. And really the mantra is uh, that we grow, protect, and transfer our clients' wealth. 
So um, typically a big component of that is because they own a business, um, we deal in the areas of business succession, exit strategy, planning, wealth transfer. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, we spend a lot of time uh, underneath that on estate tax planning, income tax planning. So to your point right now, everybody is uh, in the mode of you know getting their K-1s, W-2s. And so everybody's thinking about what can I do to from an income tax planning perspective. And we spend a lot of time on that is, you know, how do we put money away? How do we save money on an income tax advantage basis? How do we uh, transfer wealth uh, to the next generation, generations, uh, and mitigate as much estate tax as we can? And, um, and then we, we, you know, we, from the business succession perspective as well is, you know, how do we, if the business owner has partners, or even if the business owner doesn't, how are we going to uh, pass on this illiquid operating company, assuming that there's not a sale before death. And so we spend a lot of time on that as well. I've got three partners that come at it from different angles, two of which are CFAs, very technical in the investment world, and and then another partner who's a certified financial planner. And, right. and then my background is in the insurance world. So the four of us have come together to put together this boutique uh, to do this. So we're having a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting to meet some very cool companies, kind of like we've been able to do here. Um, so it's got to be exciting for you to be able to facilitate those folks being able to not only, as you talk about, being able to make this uh, a business that will support my family down the road, but you also help those companies because many times, especially in the small privately held company or a mid-sized company uh, that's privately owned, there will be some players that are in the executive team that have really been vital in helping them grow and get to where they are, been there maybe for a long part of their growth and, and uh, the business life cycle. And once you get to that kind of place, you want those people to stay. And so obviously that will involve sometimes getting creative with how you compensate people, making it so that they have some measure of ownership, if you will, or at least a near as, as to that as they can have, sharing the success of the company without giving the company away. Um, so you have some strategies for that as well. We do. We do a lot of executive benefit work uh, where uh, a business owner may want to incent uh, his key people to stay and does not want to give away true equity, kind of what you were getting at. And that could be a phantom stock plan where I say to Dave, he's my key guy and, and we're going to put a plan in place that uh, where he enjoys in the growth of the company. And he basically has an account that grows as the company grows. And so he is completely aligned with with the company, yet it's it's essentially phantom equity, or it could certainly be true equity as well. But the, all those kinds of plans we put in place, yeah, to, to retain and reward the key people of a company. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's been some companies who you know whose situation you've really solidified by doing that kind of interaction with them. Um, I, you know, I don't know if, if it's the place for it or not. If you had a successful story or two or company that you thought was kind of cool that, uh, that you've worked with, we can certainly talk about that. Um, you know, I, I've been very impressed by just getting to know you over time and, and uh, have uh, you know, a measure of satisfaction from being able to help you tell your story. Um, is, there a, is there a kind of a typical picture of the company that it makes sense to link up with professionals like yourself? What does what your typical client look like? You know, the typical client uh, would be, you know, from an employee size, it could be 10 employees to 500. You know, it's a, it's a, it could be a $10 million to $100 million revenue firm. That's really where we, where we typically uh, are operating um, and, you know, somewhere in there. Well, what, what got you to this place here where you're in this kind of situation in terms of your own, your path? What led you to yeah. where you are here? It's a kind of a cool thing that you're doing, and, and uh, you know, it's sometimes really nice to hear, well, this is how I found this place. It's a great question, and uh, I've been in the life insurance business 23 years, and for the most part, um, we, I worked with wealthy families around the country uh, essentially putting life insurance in place to help them with estate tax funding should they pass away, to create the liquidity so that the kids didn't have to sell off assets to pay the government the tax bill. Yeah. Well, I, and, and that's an important piece of, of, of what we do at Sound River, 
the issue I had with it was that's all I did for a family. So it was not holistic. It was basically I was brought in to provide this insurance product, which was which was fine. It didn't. Um, it was not fulfilling to me though, and I wanted to play a leadership role with my client, and I wasn't. And I knew that uh, I needed a team to play a leadership role that I couldn't do it alone because I represented just the life insurance planning component of it. So I knew I needed to bring in partners where we could form the team to do investment management, life insurance planning, estate tax planning, income tax planning. One of my partners is a CPA. So we don't we don't do tax returns, but the point is we've got all these uh, you know, all all this to bear now talents. Uh, that I didn't have before. So I essentially said, I want to put together the dream team that we can be a financial leader uh, and a quarterback uh, for a client. And so it was an epiphany I had three and three to four years ago when we started putting together the company. And I wish I would have done it about 20 years ago. But, <laughs> you know. So you're getting a chance to work with some guys that you've probably known for a while, sounds like, that you were able to kind of cherry pick, hey, we need to be doing this together. Absolutely. Yeah, we took about a year uh, putting it together. And so here we are now beginning our third year in operation. So it's we're having a lot of fun. So do you see along the way some typical missteps that a company tends to be making as it relates to some of these things that uh, the solutions that you provide where you'd end up seeing, ah, this is one of those places where mistakes are made? Yeah, I think it's overcomplicating. I think clients need to be led. Um, They're looking for somebody to lead them in this way. And the biggest problem I see is just a lot of clutter and a lot of complicated matter. And clients just you know, essentially want it to be kept simple. So we really try to keep things very simple in what we do and communicate in a very, in a, in a very simple way. Um, and, and that's, that's the biggest misstep, uh, that I've seen through my career that we try to bring that in to our firm and do it in that way. Now, how are people finding out about you? I'm sure that as you help a company, they're probably telling colleagues of theirs, Oh, you got to link up with sound river, but how are people finding you? Yeah. Um, in fact, I was talking to Dave about that uh, not about a week ago. Um, well, there, you know, we've www.soundriver.com uh, is our website where we've got a uh, our corporate LinkedIn site. I've got you know my partners and I are on our LinkedIn pages as well, and um, Facebook, Twitter, not to this point. Uh, we've uh, we're we're not on those, but uh, but that's where you can find us. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts that you have before we jump over and start talking about emerging artists? I don't think so. Just stay tuned because we're about to launch our new website. We're very excited about it. It's actually going live today. So, so check us out. After the show, we'll, we'll hook up. We'll figure out a time to have you back on. you got things to talk about over time that will be good for our business listeners. So tell yeah, us can about I just, I was going to say, can I just put in a plug for sure. Bo real quick? Because sure. he's being a little modest. I think um, you know, how people find Bo is – because of the great work that his firm does and the referrals that he gets. So I, I think, and I'm making this number up, but I would, I would imagine that more than 80% of his business comes from word of mouth mm-hmm. and, you know, good referrals from other clients and, and yeah. colleagues and friends. Um, and I think that's a big part of what drives success in a business like his is just being, you know, high quality, high integrity. And, you know, as he said, taking something that's very complex and making it simple and actionable. And I think that's a, that's a key marker of a successful business in his category. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been really impressed with my interactions with them, and, and it would be easy for me to, to tell people, hey, you need to link up with them and, and get to know what they do. So thanks for coming back on, and thanks for Thank introducing you. us to our next guest. Dave, um, you, you were telling us about Emerging Artists Network, um, a sponsorship marketing company, but it's, it's more than that. It's it's a platform and it it's is. it's technology. You're a technology company that's applying it in the entertainment sector in a really cool way. Exactly, and and it was it's interesting because you asked Bo a really good question, a hard question, which is, you know, how do you end up doing what you do? Yeah, that's right? what I was going right. to ask you. The same thing. Yeah, Tell well, me the story. The What's punch, the backstory? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's so unusual. There there are so few businesses and so few times when in your career you actually get to blend together two or three things that you right. really love to do yeah. or, or things that you have a lot of interest in. Yeah. Um, unlike my colleague, Peter, I am not a musician. I, you know, I, I played in a band when You're I was You're about to be. Yeah. Peter keeps threatening to teach me how to play something. I've got a guitar uh, for sale. Yeah, That's I, right. We're I'm, setting up a jam room at Top Right. I'm going to stick with a tambourine. I think that might be my thing. But, but um, 
that, that would work actually. But, uh, you know, so I'm not a musician by training. I mean, I, like a lot of kids, I hacked around in my basement when I was right. a kid and, you know, played, played various things, but I've always loved music and, I, and I've been a passionate fan of, of a lot of different genres of music and I've enjoyed it. And it's always been a hobby of mine, but it's sort of separate and distinct from my, my main business, which as Bo, you know, was describing, it's, I'm a marketing guy, right? Mm -hmm. I, I help businesses grow and I help brands in particular, um, you know, find their audience. So it was really, for me, it was kind of a, this gelling of two great things that I love, the music industry and emerging artists, particularly with marketing and technology, and being able to focus on something that would bring those two together in a very positive way. And, and I'll let Peter describe a little bit more about what is happening to artists in the music industry sure. right now, because I think that's, that's one of the presenting problems. But from my perspective, I work with brands, right? I, I work with companies like you know, Chick-fil-A, Coca-Cola, Intercontinental Hotels that are always looking for a different way to reach their target audience. Mm -hmm. And along comes, you know, sports. Everybody's familiar with, let's go put our, you know, our logo on the, the new Brave Stadium, right. SunTrust, right? Or, yeah. you know, and, and everybody acknowledges that sports can have a powerful connection or create a powerful emotional connection yeah. between a brand and a, and a band um, or in a, in a venue. But a lot of times people forget that music has a much more defined fandom than, say, a specific sport. Right. Some people love baseball. Some people hate baseball, right? Music has a very deep fan base. And so our business is really about making those connections with a band, you know, an emerging artist and their fandom with a brand that has a very powerful and, and uh, unique desire to connect with those fans. Uh, and traditionally this has been, unless you've had big, big money, right, Everybody probably watched the Super Bowl and saw Pepsi and Katy Perry. And you know, people mm, mo no, mainly think about I missed you know, that. Yeah, right, missed that. <laughs> uh, I, you thought you were, I thought you were one of the sharks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was. I Don't tell anyone. I was, I was a pond tree. <laughs> <laughs> Most people look at that and they go, wow, that's out of my reach. You know, there's no way I could ever. Well, they're right. You know, who, mm -hmm. who's going to be able to drop, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 million dollar sponsorship on a, on a Katy Perry or a Beyonce or whoever? Um, so that's not what we're about. I mean, you know, Coke and, and Chick-fil-A, these guys are going to find their brands or their bands or their mm -hmm. uh, sports or their venues. We're talking about smaller brands and emerging artists and trying to make that connection. So the example I was giving earlier, you know, Cliff Bar would love to find an artist or a set of artists that they can work with that really embody the spirit and the values of the Cliff Bar brand. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for them to do that, and they certainly can't spend – $50 million on sponsorship. So right. our job is to try to connect that at a level that's more economically viable. For well, and, and it's such a great platform for these emerging artists as technology evolves. We were talking about independent artists and the resources that they have now. You've really found that niche mm -hmm. in the market. So that's really, really exciting. And now, Peter, you're you're obviously a working artist um, and, and have done work with a number of well-known uh, bands uh, yourself. How do you all know each other? We met through my partner, Dan Lipson. And uh, Dan and I have been sort of modeling this idea. It's sort of morphed from various perspectives over the past few years. And we met with Dave... Um, I guess it was about three years Camp, ago. Camp Jam. Yeah, Camp Jam. And then uh, <laughs> at one point we came in to talk to you about my band, Big Hat, uh, where Dan Lipson had the uh, mm -hmm. uh, the idea of figuring out some sort of support uh, through brand sponsorship for the band. And uh, got a little distracted. Uh, Big Hat <laughs> didn't quite become the model for that because <laughs> as in turn, Big Hat and a handful of us are – playing with Sheryl Crow now mm -hmm. so yeah. and then you know all the guys do other things but it, it it gave birth to this idea so let's get into it um, okay. talk about the platform that you have developed um, that adds a bit of a gamification kind of element to yeah. it that yeah. uh, that somebody can really see where they stand today and they if you do this and do this then you can actually kind of increase your visibility or increase your likelihood of linking up with uh, potential sponsor or sponsors that would potentially be a fit for your band. So yeah, take us through it. It's, it's a really cool deal. Yeah, the, I mean, I guess the story starts with the artist, right? So, and, and for those listeners that are out there that are, you know, garage band players and they maybe they go to Eddie's Attic, they're lucky enough to get a, you know, a, a chance to go to open mic night every once in a mm -hmm. while. Right. Um, all emerging artists know that it's extremely frustrating right now 
to try to make money. Right. You know, regardless of the genre, you whatever instrument you play, whatever you do, it's just extremely hard to make money. And there's such a small, small percentage of people that will ever you'll ever see them on The Voice or American Idol or wherever. Right. right. That's just End up a, with a million dollar. Yeah. Contract. It's just you might as well right. get hit by lightning. Right. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So you we, could probably get famous on that for on YouTube before. <laughs> that's true. Becoming, for being hit by yeah, lightning. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people need to start walking around with a guitar up in That's what we're gonna do, yeah. Peter. Let's just go do that. That's right. But it's a great actually that's a great segue to the mm-hmm. point which is artists today have have much more access to finding their audience and to monetizing their content than they ever have before right the bottom line is some, some of them just don't know how to do it right right and well and there's there's the artists and the business mind and some people can sort of switch those hats and then some people it's okay to say hey i don't want right. to do the business side of it do that because that can really stifle uh, the creative process too when you're thinking about how, where's this money coming from? You know, am I eating ramen tonight? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. that messes up the songwriting flow. You got it. <laughs> and we were talking before we went on the air about the fact that one of the elements that makes it possible for a relatively unknown artist to develop a fan base and get some notoriety is through the different media channels that we have out there. You can put yourself on YouTube. You can get yourself on iTunes and things like that. You can kind of publish straight to the public in a way um, that lets you get out there. But you talked about the fact that along with those mediums comes minuscule royalties, you know, tiny, tiny amounts of money per sale that you could you could just blow it out the doors and have a song sell right. millions of copies and here's your $2,500. Well, <laughs> well, let me put Peter on the spot. So so how much money has Big Hat made on downloads off of... Oh, jeez. Uh, actually on streams from Spotify. I would say all in all from streams on Spotify, probably, you know, $1,500, somewhere in that area. You know, and, and this have, is a professional musician that has yeah, a good, and we kind have, of a big deal. You know, we have Spotify support too. They they've put us on two of their sponsored playlists, and we have uh, over a half million uh, plays on a couple of our songs. So we do have mm-hmm. their support, which we very much appreciate. But uh, the bottom line is, there is very little revenue that is generated nowadays from streaming. Downloads, uh, uh, yeah, obviously CD sales are gone, so mm-hmm. or yeah, minuscule. So it's all about live performance is really the only significant revenue source, uh, ex- unless you're able to license a song, uh, get some, uh, you know, get a song in a movie or in a, right. in a commercial or right. some some form like that. So that actually ties in. Yeah, and I was wondering about doing. that as you were talking. Is is that I have found songs, obviously movie soundtracks is one way I've found numerous songs, and clearly nowadays, yeah. more and more licensed content in advertisement is, is one way that some people are going boom, you know, all of a sudden and having a, yes. launching onto the scene is because they're doing some car ad or whatever it may be, and nowadays, you know, Spotify, or not Spotify, but uh, Shazam, mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually Shazam stuff, you know, while Find you're listening right to it, yeah, right. and, and uh, do it that way. So, does that kind of that kind of thing tie into the ultimate goal of what you're trying to do, which is link up a, an artist with a brand? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think that's that's kind of the end game, right? So, as Peter was saying, there the sources of revenue are few for an artist today. Um, the the Nirvana is if you can get a brand to actually fund you to some extent. Right, either to go and make an album, to get out on tour. Obviously, that's a great way to accelerate the growth and, and exposure of your of your band. Right, a, a great way for an artist to kind of get some um, opportunities. That in the old days, the only way that happens is you sign a deal with a label. Right, right. yeah. And, and labels just aren't. I mean, well, it, still then, I mean, wasn't the whole label deal? I mean, as an artist, still you're going to make the most money on on live performances and merchandise, correct? Correct. So now we've sat, we've uh, that's even more saturated, oversaturated by being able to do these digital downloads, and there goes CD sales. Right. Um, but you know, these artists do have the resources and. and are able to do CD scan and all of that. So. And, and a lot of this really savvy. If you look at the big names like Taylor Swift, I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen in the news lately, they're actually pulling back right. a lot of their yeah, content. took her stuff off of Spotify. Exactly, yeah. because they know, I mean, they're smart business people, right? That, that Their management teams are basically saying, look, there's better ways to monetize your mm-hmm. content. Um, and that deal, that particular deal, we won't talk about that one because I don't have the details, but that one was not as attractive as perhaps other ways that she could monetize her mm-hmm. content. 
right? So the, the whole point of emerging artists is um, kind of founded on this idea that we've got to find a better way to fund artists. That's kind mm -hmm. of principle one. The second principle is we've got to find a better way for brands to identify the emerging artist and make that connection. And I kind of made the mm -hmm. analogy earlier before the show about e-harmony. Think of it like mm -hmm. matching, you know, the next great star, right, with a, a brand that's really looking to target that audience, the same audience. I'm sure that it's a, a fairly broad spectrum, but when you think about linking up a band with a brand, I mean, is there a kind of a typical picture, kind of like I asked Bo about Sound River Advisors and what's their customer look like? Yeah. What's the brand look like that needs a band as part of its strategy? Do you know what I'm saying? A yeah. relationship with a band. Is it something that faces a, my, my brand's product or service faces a particular crowd that tends to listen to thus and such music? So therefore, if we link up with a, br a band like that, then all of a sudden now we're kind of creating that emotional connection to our brand in that way. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I think actually any brand, really quite frankly of any size, can get value from different mechanisms that create emotional connection to the audience, right? Yeah, and what a huge connection with music and an emotional connection. It's a I huge, mean, and, yeah. and it's got staying power too. It's yeah. not just a. I mean, you'll, right. you'll tune in, you'll listen to that song time and mm -hmm. time and time and time again. So it, I think it really the lesson here is it it applies to any band. Um, until recently, it's been out of the you couldn't afford it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So a, a lot of brands that are out there really didn't have the financial wherewithal right. to do something like this. So part of our mission is to to lower the the, the hurdle, right, for a brand to get involved, um, and also to lower the hurdle for an artist to become exposed and, and, and be viable, right? Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I, I see the formula, like thinking back to the questions you were asking, Bo, any brand that's considering music, you know, it all starts with the audience. You know, who's the target that you're going after? Is it um, youth? Is it Hispanic um, parents? Is it uh, African Americans? What's, what's the target audience and the demographics of that audience. And we all know that certain genres of music, certain types of uh, artists have very defined audiences, right? Mm -hmm. So it, that's part of the math is just making that connection. But we go a little deeper than that. We're also looking at the values associated with the brand. Um, you know, I, I give a short, a short sidebar story, but I had a client once that was, this is a sports marketing example. Um, my client was a CEO of a, of a company that was, um, into marathon running. He was a big runner, and, and he used to sponsor the New York Marathon. It, that was one of their big title sponsorships. The company made pierogies. Does everybody know what a pierogi is? Pierogi is like a, a, a oh, potato yeah, pasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the heaviest, greasiest thing you can think of. And it's the last... Ooh, a bit of a disconnect there. <laughs> yeah, it's the last this brand. And then That's go what run you want to eat the Friday before you run your <laughs> exactly. marathon. It's yeah. a, you know, it'd, be one thing if, it'd be one thing if it was like a, you know, smart water or something like that. But, <laughs> no, it's a... It's a Pasta, uh, potato. You better be pasta. a marathon runner if you're going to eat our food. <laughs> and I used the to commercial went something like, "If you eat this," <laughs> I used to say to him, "Like, why? You know, why? Why? What? How could you make that connection? Right. It has nothing to do with." He's like, "Well, I like to run. I'm a runner, right?" Well, I said, "That's not a sponsorship. That's corporate charity. Yeah. <laughs> that's <what> that is, <laughs> you know? yeah, you're doing it because that's something you believe in, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just don't right. call it marketing. Right? You know? Don't call right. it marketing. And the same thing applies here. There, there are certain brands." that are going to resonate better with certain bands, you know, uh, and I'm sure Peter can tell some humorous stories about different, some of the different artists that he's worked with in the past. But, you know, I always go to sort of Alice Cooper or Ozzy Osbourne, you know, biting the head off a bird. There are certain brands I know I'm not going to hook those guys oh, sure. up. Sure. I see. Just, so that's the visual, right, um, that you should have in your mind. But, the, but there are, by the same token, there's a lot of, you know, interesting connections that you can make between music well you've got to create you can take it to a completely creative level you know of course you wouldn't pair biting a head off of a bird with a children's hospital or anything well, like and, that and but and find about, that creative bridge yeah, and think about cw's example earlier where you know if if i could find a band that could write my theme song for mm -hmm. my brand how powerful would that be mm -hmm. right? and there's um, money in theme songs money in theme yep. songs yeah money in advertising mm -hmm. That's so that. how many brands are thinking I need, I need, I need an artist. I need a, I need music as well, part of my show, strategy. Millions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. clearly. <laughs> who's, who's not thinking that? Call in oh. right now. But I mean, you know, it's, it's. I think about that from the context of what we do here, uh, because every once in a while, someone will get exposed to what we do, and they'll think, "Wow, this is a great place for us to form relationships." Mm -hmm. But they didn't come to to our show thinking, you know what? I've, we gotta, we gotta find a way to 
create a radio channel. Um, it, it would seem that some clients out there, brands, wouldn't necessarily be thinking about that. So is that something that you're kind of now, now that you've got this tool, are kind of saying that to people now? Or have you ever thought about? Yeah, we have. And actually, it goes back. I may, I may have Bo pull back in here a little bit, too, because the, the number one barrier for a brand thinking like this is risk. Right. Right. So, you know, a big financial brand, take, take uh, SunTrust or someone like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're worried about their brand's positioning in the market, mm-hmm. right? So Integrity, you want, yeah. honesty, reliability, exactly. all those things. Everybody remembers what happened when, yeah. when Tiger Woods ran his car into that tree, you know. <laughs> everybody bailed out. Everybody bailed out. Everybody except Nike, but every other major sponsor <laughs> right. dropped him and ran away. Why? Because they didn't want that association, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think for a lot of brands out there that may be listening to this right now, the, the challenge is always the, the importance of that match mm-hmm. is incredibly it's a very There's delicate. a human element. It's human, it. and it's mm-hmm. also something that's got to be, um, it's got to be a high integrity quality mm-hmm. relationship. It can't just be thrown together. Right. And I think that's where you know the essence of what Emerging Artist Network is about is we, we care about both sides of the equation. We're only successful if the artist is prospering, and the brand is getting value from that relationship. Um, so much to the point that we're we're willing to kind of treat it more like an option, mm-hmm. uh, where we're saying to the brand, look, we're going to give you five artists to have a relationship with mm-hmm. recognizing that, you know, one of those bands may break up your band, you know, I'm sure it's a great band, but you never know. Sometimes those things don't, don't last very long. So you don't want to put a bunch of money into, uh, into a band that does why I'm a solo artist or never yeah, well, <laughs> bank on yourself. She, she's, she's already <laughs> moved on. Um, but by giving it, giving a brand an option strategy, right? So we can, we can place our bets on maybe five different uh, artists in five different genres potentially. Um, and we can see kind of how that relationship evolves over 15 months. And then CW, as you said earlier, we can, we can double down on the ones that really take off and, and maybe that's a deeper mm-hmm. relationship we form. So. so in a way we've been talking with Dave Sutton and Peter Stroud of the Emerging Artists Network, a really cool new platform to help link up emerging artists with brands in the community that are also looking to expand uh, the folks' awareness of them and put them together when it makes a good fit. Um, talk about kind of how it works. We were talking about the fact that you're pulling data that you that is easily out there um, in the community about um, a given artist, for example, and then same thing for certain brands. You're using data points out there and you're creating with this, some algorithms that you've created a matching feature that lets somebody see kind of where they stand in terms of their level of visibility, if I'm understanding that, you know, as I read through what you provided me ahead of the time, um, an, an artist can actually see kind of where they stand today. How How is my picture in the community? How What's the likelihood that I can link up with somebody to, to support my, my work? Um, and the same thing is you can do that too with to a certain extent with the brands you're working with. Can you talk about how it works? Yeah. Um, at the core, the, the, alg- the main algorithm is what we call the EAN score. And it's, it's actually a way to kind of gamify this process mm-hmm. to some extent where we're looking at about 30 different distinct data sources across the Internet. Everything from obviously the obvious ones, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but also looking at things like Polestar data to see how, how ticket sales are doing, you know, if, the, if it's a touring artist. Uh, and we're trying to really build up a 360-degree view of that artist, where they are, and we're time stamping it so we know what their trajectory is because we all know that artists go up and sometimes they're coming down, right? Mm-hmm. So we have to t- take a look at th- basically analytically um, we can define – what success looks like based on all those different data points, and then give them a, a raw score. Now, the beautiful thing about that for an artist is the score actually is also an indicator of what they need to improve, mm-hmm. right? So if, if we said, oh, gosh, you don't have an Instagram page or, you know, you've got so few followers on, on Twitter, um, let's work on that. And so it gives the, the band a very constructive way to improve over time. But it also gives the brand a way to level set and mm-hmm. say, you know what, these guys are good. We like what they're doing, but they're a little immature. They ha- they're not quite ready for prime time, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a way to evaluate essentially the future potential of a, of a band. Um, that's one set of algorithms. And then we also have another set of algorithms that, that do basically the, the matching. This is kind of the eHarmony piece of it, where a, a brand will come to us and say, look, we're looking for you know, um, a band that's in this geography, you know, South Miami, They've got kind of a Latin beat, and their audience is largely um, Hispanics uh, of Cuban descent, 
and we're, we're looking for something with you know four beats a minute and you know, so, sort of a certain that, that that level of detail right um and we can then use that profile to say well let's look at what we have on the database and match up maybe give you 10 15 options of bands that might be a good relevant fit for you sort of the kind of algorithms that are on the back side of pandora if you will yeah. i want to i want to hear bands that sound kind of like this the music genome yeah yes. sort, of, sort of like that i mean again to to a not we're not using the genome right. in our yeah. algorithm but it's probably more important to understand who is the brand trying to target you know who's their audience what geographies in the country they're they're looking to go after and also to some extent we're trying to get at the the values we call it the archetype of the brand but it's you know if you've got a motherhood and applehood you know apple pie brand you don't want to be paired up with um, you know, some EDM band that's crazy and, you know, doing all kinds of electric, electronic yeah, crazy dance apple pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy <laughs> apple pie. So, so again, there, there's, there's some, I'll, I'll call it the art of the, of the matching that, that goes mm-hmm. on as well, which is a little more sensitivity to, you know, it's like my, my example with the marathon runner and the pierogies, you know, some things just don't right. make sense. Right. Right. So, so if I'm an emerging artist, are That's you my in, a, next in, a, in addition to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the very early stages. <laughs> uh, I just Look want to get some calluses bell. on my finger here eventually. Um, but it, with the emerging artists, it, if they have some representation that, you, you know, with a, maybe they've got a minor label of some kind that they've got right. a relationship with, you're, you're a layer in addition to that. You don't take the place of that per se. They're, that is they're focused on different elements. Um, and you're not really focused so much on monetizing their music as much as you are getting them more you know, revenue to support their their processes. Exactly. Li- you know, kind of living revenue, if you will, that will let them make their music. There are so many aspects to uh, a band's annual process, put it that way. If they make a record... There's, of course, there's a budget for making a record. You know, nowadays, it costs a lot less money to make a record right. um, uh, for all the reasons that are obvious, too. You know, you can home studios mm-hmm. for the major part. But then once you have the uh, record, you have to promote it. There's all these various independent promoters that you would call to help with that. You know, right. So there's a budget right there. Then there's going out on tour. There's a budget right there, you know, where if you want to take it a step up from couch surfing, as we call it. or <laughs> you know. Which we're totally cool with. Peace, hey. man. R- right, exactly. You know, so, yeah, there's, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, there are sections that can be focused on. And so, you know, as you see from what Dave's spoken about when working with a brand, we can really home in on on the personality of the brand and the personality of the artist and the band too and as you were saying integrity comes in it's a respective integrity between the brand and the band too you know because you are not wanting the band to feel like they're having to compromise their art their their integrity and that is what's first and foremost important to us because there is that stigmatism that if you are uh, an artist working with a brand that you know you could you're shilling or mm-hmm. something, and that is not what we're going for here. We are going for really well crafted, thought out relations mm-hmm. between bands. You know, some bands can be very direct in the way they interact with the brand. Other bands will be more, or artists may be more indirect. There are so many ways that you can craft this relationship that makes sense, and and so it's like patronage in a way where the brand is getting involved with this artist's career over a long-term period. So they're being exposed to this cool audience, this cool venue, you know, that, that the band is immersed in, you know. And it's just let the band be who they are, you know, because you want that. You want to nurture that. That's right. what record labels used to do back in the day. They would nurture these bands over a long-term period. Sometimes the band wouldn't break for three or four records. Well, mm-hmm. nowadays it's EPs. You know, or it might be an individual Mm -hmm. song. It might be that, you know, bands just consistently put songs out Mm -hmm. over the Internet just to keep some activity going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole different method to doing it. So it's more about this long-term relationship on both ends. And the bands, too. They can take advantage of the brand's audience that they have. So that is first and foremost important from obviously from my perspective is that that it feels right it feels right in both ends and we have the people involved obviously with dave and and dan and and another gentleman brian grossman and myself and 
you know, we'll, uh, to be the interface properly for both ends. Mm-hmm. And with with regards to where you are as a company, it's in the startup phase, mm-hmm. not necessarily out there in active mode just yet. No, I mean we've been we've been building the technology. Yeah. We kind of actually some of us have been involved in a number of startups, and one of the one of the things we know is the death nail is when you, you know. <laughs> Go out and don't have it. <laughs> you know, talk it's about it. Coming soon. Surprise, surprise. Great you know, yeah, uh, there's only so many times you can do a beta test, right? Yeah. So um, we've been really focused that over the last six months on just building the technology, which we think is so critical. Mm-hmm. And we're fully funded to, to build that platform. And, and we are at the point now, though, where we're kind of – I mean, this is a good example today. We're, we're beginning to tell the story and to push the, the message out because now we know we can do it. Right before this, it was like a, a kind of a, an interesting idea that was a concept, but now we know we, we've got the data. We've been developing the algorithms; they work, mm-hmm. um, and now they're ready for prime time. So, so now is the time when we can actually begin to to talk to people on both sides, both the, from a, a brand perspective and from an artist perspective. And I would, uh, you know, assume based on your your respective backgrounds that you at least have a good starting point with relationships where you can talk to people. Hey. You know, obviously, as an artist, you're going to be able to probably have some measure of sway. Hey, you should check this out. And, and yep. the same thing with your background in uh, marketing and, and brand awareness, be able to just interface with companies that you've been dealing with along the way so that yeah. you can kind of turn them on to this new idea of when it's live. Do you, when, when is the live date? Do you have a, a time when it's going to be? Yeah, let me tell you, I want, before I tell you the live date, I'll, let me tell you a little story because I think what you said is actually really interesting. Um, we do have really good connections, and, and that's, a, that's a, a blessing and a curse sometimes, actually, because we had a situation, I guess it was in November, um, where a large telecommunications company came to us and, and was asking to kind of push the limits of our technology. And, and I, I mentioned this in, in kind of as a joke in, in our pre-show warm-up. Um, you know, find us the next pit bull. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and we, we, we thought long and hard about it because this is a big brand. It's actually not a small brand, but a really big brand. And, um, and the CEO is a huge music fan and we had to say no. It's really hard. You know, when you have yeah. a connection and you've got someone who's got a, you know, a check that they want to write to you, we had to say no. Cause we just didn't feel confident that our technology could do it. Well, I mean, that's a big request, you know, go out, find an artist, what, establish it, you know, we were talking about that sort of what a labels. uh, But that's what the goal is for us ultimately is, you know, it is, it's it's so difficult for emerging artists to, for the better artists to find their way to a level to where people are are exposed to them. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, that's, there's so much noise, as they say, you know, so it's a mission almost from my aspect of, you know, making those artists that really deserve to be heard, you know, you know, making them visible. So your no to the large company is probably more of a not right now because we don't have enough trend lines to look at. Because once we start getting more artists on board, we're watching more trend lines, we're seeing more about this band, that band that's in the space that you're talking about genre-wise... We're watching these. They're on the right trajectory. They're showing the right types of promise from you got offstage as well as on stage. clearly, with the product they produce so that then you could potentially then go and yeah. do something ki- like that. It was that. kind of a no but, right? It, was, it, was, it, wasn't, right, exactly. it wasn't a Not no yet. go away. I can't was, do that just no, yet. I, I don't have later. a magic eight ball yet yeah. to say, is this fella going to be the next pit bull? Right. But that could be you, CW. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> you never know. If I don't sound like a guitar hear him soon, between, between shows, maybe I, I should mean, just keep it guy. and start practicing really hard. We're going to give you a year. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you lessons, CW. Uh, that, that'll be quite the success story, so too. I have a question. Okay, so for the emerging artists that. Um, money has been a problem. Um, they have made placements. They've they've done stuff with their career, not so much marketing themselves, even though they know that they should be. Um, but you know, funds are a problem. So is that? Are you guys going to be looking for artists like that, or is it? Do you have to be established? Do you have to have these followers? How much are you willing to nurture these em- emerging artists versus people that are already more established in the public eye? Right. Well, that is that is our whole purpose as Emerging Artist Networks is we have various levels of support to where we can help these bands rise to a level. That's part of the, the scoring system, mm-hmm. what its purpose is. Um, 
it it is we give them managerial tools mm-hmm. you know and going back to what you had said earlier you know the artist the, the last thing we want to do is encumber these artists from being artists right mm-hmm. you know first and foremost they got to write music so either they assign some of these duties to somebody that works with them or you know or there's a, and they spread it out amongst the members um you know, there's usually somebody that's pretty savvy on it, and that mm-hmm. person takes on the social media. Maybe there's ways of doing it, and let the writers be the writers. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've encountered. I I can do the business stuff for other artists, but when it comes to me, I just don't. Uh, that's the shoemaker's uh, children. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, that's kind of where I've been hung up as as an artist. You yeah. know, and the stuff that I've gotten, it's. It's great stuff, but it's all because of who I've worked with in the industry and sort of word of mouth referral stuff. But I think that this is a great platform and a resource for for that funding because it's kind of that catch twenty two. Like, well, I can't pay anybody to do it because I don't have any money. But how do I make the money doing? It? Now, and the other support that we have that we are constructing is through affiliate sponsorships. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we're sort of like the uh, what would you say the triple A triple A of the music industry because good we're housekeeping st- seals exactly <laughs> we're, sta- <laughs> right. we're establishing relationships with not only musical instrument companies mm-hmm. who, which we were just at the big trade show the NAM trade show last week and everybody we spoke with uh, musical instrument manufacturers were very receptive to this because they're having difficulty uh, recognizing and identifying new talent mm-hmm. from how they used to previously. Uh, But not only in the musical instrument industry, but it can be hotel chains, food, Mm -hmm. truck rental, insurance. There's so many different ways that can be a support system, Mm -hmm. you know, through discounts through mm-hmm. yeah so you can establish some sort. relationships that you can link people up with the things that a touring band needs exactly exactly so and available kind of preferred relationship right. almost exactly and available to either everybody that's in our system any band as they're on the rise uh even you know better discounts or, or other things as they reach certain platforms certain levels so mm-hmm. we're trying to help everyone to where ultimately they could be a candidate for a brand matching scenario uh, to where we, you know, present uh, a, a brand with all these bands for them to choose five artists and five genres. And, mm-hmm. and say, at least, as Dave was saying, at least one of those bands is, is going to rise mm-hmm. exponentially, you know. And that's uh, – uh, fan bases for an artist can grow – in social media or even in live performance, anywhere from twenty percent to two hundred percent in a month's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a pretty big number. And not to and not to oversell, you know, the the pl- the power of the analytics and the, and the platform. But um, and this may sound painfully obvious, but just knowing what not to do. Mm-hmm can sometimes give you back a huge amount of time. Well, right? it just helps to have those guidelines a- alone. You know, right. it doesn't matter how much you think you know. Just let somebody else guide you along yeah. the way. And if somebody said to you, look, you're doing, you're doing great on Facebook, you're doing great with Twitter, if you just plussed up what you were doing on Instagram, you'd see a lift, mm-hmm. you know. Um, at least now you know. You may not, still may not have the time, right, mm-hmm. helping everybody else, but at least you know that if you're going to spend time on something, this is going to pay off. Right. Right. Do you see adding services that are kind of what you described, Peter, where that, that are some of them are kind of consultative or coaching type aimed at the artist, since obviously some of them, like me, are emerging and I really <laughs> don't know what I'm doing yet, but to be able to help some of those artists along in their, in their development a little bit, um, or is it really going to be focused mostly on the technology platform and matching brands with bands, that kind of thing? Yeah, we have to be a little careful. It's a great question. And we've, trust me, we've kind of beaten this up. I'm sure it's got to be tempting to it's tempting. kind of Absolutely. go this way and that way. On the one side, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, so intuitively, you kind of go, well, yeah, that we should do that. On the other side, we don't want to be a label. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I mean, we're not trying to replicate or, or become, you know, adding label services to, to this business, at least at this moment in time, I think would take us off focus, mm-hmm. right, in terms of what we're trying to do. Um, but, you know, just again, as top right, you know, one of the things we, we are working with emerging artists right now, we're working with some bands that are have, I would say, in our scoring system, you know, they're, they've already kind of made it, 
but they, they're looking to go to the next level. Um, and that is something where I think a consulting firm, a marketing agency like, like TopRight can add a ton of value. But in the early days, it's, it's too expensive. It's, it's not, you know, it may not be the right thing to do when all you're trying to do is just get some momentum going, right? So uh, I don't see emerging artists, you know, at least in the near term, being a replication of a label or even of a management team for an artist. I don't, I don't think that's where we want to go in the short term, but that is certainly a, a capability that I think our management team has. I mean, yes. something that we could do. We, at least at this point, obviously see ourselves working in conjunction with a label. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, with indie labels, because we're another funding source. Sure. We are sort of taking over an aspect uh, that a lot of labels just, frankly, no longer mm-hmm. do. You know, the, most of the major labels, they are going with bands that have already proven themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, or an established artist, an artist that's established a brand for themselves. Like, at, at they a don't considerably wanna, high level, right? Because they don't want to pay the cost to to mold someone into and what they need. Because there's be tons more out it. there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you got to hand it to you know, looking back to yesteryear, you know, it's just like you said. There are the business minded mm-hmm. folks that can identify really good talent, and there's the artist. Yeah. You know, and it you know it's hard for a lot of but artists. Music to is a both. business. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's great to have that outside perspective yeah. and say. You know, even artistically, you know, mm-hmm. these are some of the things you could consider. And you, but it takes time. It takes yeah. time for that artist to become. And you've got to learn to put, as an artist, <laughs> learn to put the ego on the shelf because some of that constructive criticism that way uh, rubs yeah. them the wrong way. As it always <laughs> has, and Since it always I'm, will. You know, in the early on in my music <laughs> career right now, I'll do some autographs for you all that I'm sure <laughs> Great. in That'll the end they're going to be worth amazing amounts of money because you can say, dude, before anybody knew anything about him. We've been talking with musician Peter Stroud and brand marketing specialist Dave Sutton who together have combined forces and they've put together this really cool technology platform that's linking up brands that are looking for uh, kind of an emotional connection with their consumers through music, uh, putting them together with bands that uh, would you know, to create a synergy, uh, one that will support the band and its growth, and then obviously help a, a, a brand uh, get to be better known. I'm, uh, as we've been talking about this, it just kind of surprises me in a way that, that this is, was a gap that was out there, that there didn't have a solution like this already. I mean, I guess big data and use of algorithms like this is really kind of, while it's been around a little bit, it's, it's, there's some niches like we're seeing here and healthcare being a huge one that's just now beginning to finally swing around to it. So I'm just surprised. How, how did you identify this? Wow, there's really nobody doing this. Or is there? It's kind I haven't of, heard of it. So. Yeah, you know, it, we're at sort of an interesting inflection point in the industry, right? In the music industry. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get at this earlier, too. The, the, it's a little bit of a perfect storm, right? So you've got fewer, I mean, labels, as Peter was saying, labels are doing much less than they used to, you know, from an A&R perspective and a development perspective. So there's kind of, they've created, a, a whether intentionally or unintentionally, a little bit of a vacuum, mm-hmm. right, at one level. Um, a lot of the money in, in the brand side of the world, it, they, it's like instant gratification. They, like my example, they want the next Pitbull. They want the next Katy Perry. And there's not a lot of patience to go and develop and, and be a patron as opposed to a sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. So to some extent, I think most people's mindset on either side has been somewhat living in the past and, and has been working off of a mental model about how the industry works that, quite frankly, is broken. Yeah. Right? And you've you got to evolve with every you business evolve, model. You've got to evolve. And then along comes the fact that we've got you know social media, which, again, if you go back 12, 15 years ago, most artists, I mean, you didn't have a lot of, options right so you you know the way you got word out you could do flyers you could go you know talk to your friends you could you know it was very limited you know a lot of guerrilla marketing is what we would call it right um now look at it i mean now you can have the impact as an emerging artist you can have the same access to the same tools that you too does Mm -hmm. right because they're affordable their distribution is broad right it's unfettered in terms of access and as long as you're smart about it you know, you, you can have the same kind of impact over time. So I think it's just kind of this, you know, perfect storm of all these things happening at the same time. And like I said, it took the right kind of people coming together because each of us, you know, one of us is left brain, one of us right brain. And I don't think any one person probably could have dreamed this thing up because it just requires looking at the problem through so many different mm-hmm. 
vantage points. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's why I think we were. I mean, I'm not saying we were. You know, we didn't think about this for a long, long time, but I think we just got to some extent we're at the right place at the right time. Sounds like it. Well, do you want to talk about how it works as far as when someone links up with you with a relationship? Um, we, I asked if it was a subscription kind of relationship where I'm, I'm kind of you're outsourced in a research, an outsourced resource for me in a way that you're kind of part of us uh, from a, from an arm's length. But that's not the case. You actually kind of have a medium length engagement, and then after which you know the 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 band and the brand go off together. Or not into, into the, the sunset. sunset. Yes, hopefully oh, into fantastic. Oh, great minds! Yeah, I teed that up, right? <laughs> this is the artist picturing the into the We're sunset. We're making art, right? Yeah. It's happening. Well, the, the good thing—I mean, I'd like to say, you know, ooh, if you're out there, you know, playing in your garage, call us up. We, we really don't want emerging artists to call us up and say, "Hey, we want them on the platform." Um, we're going to find you, mm-hmm. right? So the, the beautiful thing about our, our technology is the data is already out there. So if you've got a Facebook page, if you're on YouTube, if you're tweeting about your, your upcoming act, your, you know, the, the show you're going to play to Eddie's Attic this weekend, that is, is available to us. And so a, a big part of that side of the equation, we are going to get the data. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one, I, I was, um, Peter will remember, you know, kind of when we first started this and we ran the first database, we f- did the first poll, I was kind of in this, naysayer mode of, oh, we're only going to get like two or 3,000 bands. It's not going to be that. We got like, on the very first poll, we had like over 50,000 acts that are out that have Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's an unlimited supply Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. of emerging. And by the way, that's just the ones that are on Facebook. (laughs) Think about that for a minute, right? Um, So there's there's a a huge base there that we want to tap into, and we're going to continually monitor. So once we get somebody, we've got the data, and and we're going to essentially follow them, like I said, timestamp it. Um, And we suspect that there are going to be some that are going to rise to the top, and that's when we will reach out to those artists, Mm. right? Um, By the same token, on the brand side, um, we know just from our, our backgrounds, there are a lot of brands that are always looking for this type of uh, a, a marketing campaign, you know, a program around music. It may come up as a, you know, we, we need a new jingle or we need a new campaign or a part of our advertising. We want to go do uh, a festival. You know, we want to be part of a music venue. Um, so these things are, are going on all the time. Our ask would be consider Emerging Artist Network. Come to our website and consider, you know, reaching out to us because we're going to become a brain trust for the yeah. types of art, the types of artists mm-hmm. that will become the next big thing, right? All genres, too. Doesn't right. matter. And Doesn't to, matter. And to the bands, we welcome any band to join Emerging Artist Network. Mm-hmm. We are free yeah. to the artists. There There's, is no subscription fee to the bands. Yeah. So we want them to engage with us, uh, to, you know, we'll reach out to them. We can find these artists. As, as Dave is saying, you know, by the tens of thousands, and our do- and database will grow exponentially mm-hmm. over, the, uh, over the next year. And we invite every artist to, to reply to us and verify their information mm-hmm. and, and engage with us. So that way, that's how we get to know all these artists. And as we uh, see the ones rise, then we can reach out. What's that website? Emergingartistnetwork.com. That's artist singular. And Twitter, artists. Facebook yet, or or no? Twitter. Twitter. Okay. At EM Artists, A-R-T-I-S, net. I'll make sure that we link up with you there. If you haven't done so already with the Midtown Business Radio Show, you can do that on Facebook and Twitter at Midtown BRX. Please do that. That's the only fee for our guest here. you got to link up with us on Facebook and Twitter. Absolutely. Um, man, it's been a, tr- a treat to have all three of you in the studio. Bo Wilkins from Sound River Advisors. Uh, if you're a privately held company. Which, by the way, uh, has music correlation because sound, sound is uh, Pet Sounds, one of my favorite oh albums. Oh my oh, gosh, excellent. me too. And River is the River. Springsteen. Springsteen. So, so my yeah. So I'm a huge See? music like you. I don't you. want this show Pow! to end today. This is what you get I mean, when you <laughs> when you link up with Midtown Business Radio. And yeah, thank you, Bo Wilkins, Sound River Advisors, Peter Stroud. It's a pleasure thank to you. get the chance to meet you, Dave Sutton, um, from the Emerging Emerging Artist Network. Um, they've got some other things out there. Obviously, Top Right Partners. If you're a company that's looking to get some brand awareness, uh, they're experts in that field. And then, of course, if you're an artist. 65 amps. 65 amps. We make uh, boutique guitar amplifiers. There's a few people that people have heard of that are using them <laughs> when you check out the website. So, man, We're what a fun have one. we to do a part two. Krista Baruti. Yeah, we'll have to have you all back once we get launched and perhaps feature one of your I was just saying, we'd love brands. to come back and, yeah, and tell there'll, a, there'll be some, some a little yeah, case follow-up study. story here to talk about. We'll have to have our... our uh, 
I'll bring my guitar. <laughs> Fashion guy. <laughs> Let's I'll bring all bring my, our guitar. Right. I'll bring my, yeah. yeah I got CW. my tambourine. I got We're going to, all right, tambourine, cowbell. We know what's going That's on right. here. CW, what were you expecting yeah. your first rap? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do a demo tape. We'll record your demo this weekend. <laughs> Thank you all for making us a part of your afternoon again this afternoon. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us in the studio and Krista Baruti. Thanks for letting me push your buttons. Producer extraordinaire and voice talent. Thank you so much for helping me out on the board. We'll see you all same time, same place next week.